Welcome to the Fundraising Freedom Podcast with Mary Valoni. I'm your host, Mary Valoni, and this is the place where aspiring six and seven figure fundraisers come to be encouraged, empowered, and educated on how to raise more funds and have more freedom. Welcome to episode 137. Today we are doing something a little bit different. I'm going to be sharing with you guys an interview that actually I did on another podcast that I have recently launched, and I know I mentioned it several episodes ago that I was going to be opening up and starting a new podcast called the Nonprofit Executive Podcast with my good friend, Joel Kessel. And Joel specifically focuses on strategic planning. And of course, I talk on fundraising. So we have about, oh, six episodes or so that are live and available for you guys to start listening to. But I wanted to share one of those episodes with you. And this is episode three of the show. And this is really an overview of my fundraising freedom process. For those of you who have recently joined in and started listening to the podcast here, I want to be sure that you guys have a good overview of what it is that I teach and my process. Some of you have picked up a copy of my book already called Fundraising Freedom. And thank you for those of you who have picked up a copy, maybe listened to it on audiobook or read it on Kindle or paperback copy. Some of you guys I've heard from recently who have said, hey, I've listened to the audiobook multiple times or read the book multiple times. And that is awesome because this is actually a process that you can't just read once. It really is something that you have to start to really acclimate to and bring into your total system of how you guys are fundraising. I wanted to be sure to share this episode with you guys just in case you haven't jumped over to the Nonprofit Executive Podcast to check that out. Be sure to do that, but today we'll give you a good taste of how Joel and I work together as we talk about fundraising and strategic planning. And for those of you guys who are gearing up for 2020 and really thinking through what is it that we're going to do in the upcoming year and what is it that we're going to do with our cause over the course of the next several years. This is why I partnered with Joel Kessel. It's because so many nonprofits, actually 50% of nonprofits, 49% actually, do not have a strategic plan. And if you don't have a strategic plan, it's really hard to raise funds. And I've found that over and over and over again, people will come to me and say, well, can't you just raise funds for us? And can't we just figure this out? And you know what? If you don't have a plan, it's really hard to raise money for something that you don't know what you're going to spend your money on, right? Nobody's going to just hand you over the cash to go spend on just anything. You have to be specific. You have to be, you have to have such clarity over what it is that you're raising funds for. So I encourage you to check out the Nonprofit Executive Podcast, listen in, start learning from Joel's process. We actually go through episode by episode is going through his eight step strategic planning process. And then we also go through my fundraising freedom process as well. This episode today is going to give you a brief overview of my steps. And if you haven't caught the whole journey, this will give you a good overview of that. So we're going to dive right into that episode here. Today, we're going to be talking about the overarching view of fundraising. You wrote the book, Fundraising Freedom. It's all about freeing ourselves of the stress and the overwhelm when it comes to raising funds for our mission and our, and our great work. Yeah, it's kind of funny. People say, you wrote the book on fundraising. And I was like, I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I wrote the book on fundraising. But no, it, it's just crazy. I know we talked in, you know, our very first episode a little bit about my story, you know, and how I, you know, work for Special Olympics, the ALS Association, the American Cancer Society. And, you know, when I took my position on at the American Cancer Society, that was the season of my life where I was like enough 
is enough. And I was done raising funds by, you know, standing outside of grocery stores or on the corner of whatever street to try and get, and that sounds bad, <laughs> but, you know, to, to raise a couple dollars. Uh, but, you know, that's the thing. We, we tend to raise our money, you know, by we'll just take whatever we can get and however we can get it. And there is a strategy behind fundraising. And I, I learned very quickly that when I was working for the American Cancer Society with a, you know, a billion dollar budget, I started watching what other organizations, you know, what other locations were doing. And I really latched on to a few of the locations that were seeing great success. One of them, and I talk about this in my book, Fundraising Freedom, but one of those locations was Chicago. So I, I live in St. Louis, Missouri now, but when I was doing this particular fundraising, I was in Southwest Missouri. The town I worked in was about 150,000 people, 170,000. And, you know, in the surrounding area, there's probably somewhere around, you know, a couple hundred thousand. And the thing was, is that people did not expect to see the kind of money that we raised come out of that community. And we blew them completely away only because I wasn't paying attention to our community. I was paying attention to other communities and I was watching, what are they doing? What's working? So my friends in Chicago, they raised $1.8 million on a first year event. And I'm like, nobody raises $1.8 million on a first year event without a clear strategy without a clear plan, they knew what they yeah. were doing, you know? And so, and then I watched my friends down in Tyler, Texas, and they raised a million dollars in their most recent event. And then of course I was modeling my fundraiser off of an event in Dallas, Texas. So, so I had all these different locations, but I had these people who were in each of these uh, locations, my peers, where I could call on them, I could ask for their materials, I could ask for their help. And that's, you know, when we talk about the nonprofit executive club, that's what we were creating. That's why we were like, we need to create a place where you're not competing with each other, that you have access to your friends and counterparts in other parts of the country, but they're not right down the street from you. So they're not gonna like, come take your donors. They're not going to come after your money, you know, kind of thing. So, so I think that there's something really important about creating a community around you. But when I wrote the book, Fundraising Freedom, I was really focused and focused on freedom. I want every nonprofit to have freedom. Um, and the word freedom means to act, think, and speak without holding back. I want you to be so bold about your cause that you're not negotiating or uh, somehow belittling your cause and taking whatever dollars you can get because you just, you, you're so desperate for those dollars. So the freedom process is a process that works for large scale organizations like billion dollar organizations, like I mentioned, the American Cancer Society, but it also works for organizations that are just getting started. They're just getting their arms wrapped around, how do I even fundraise? What do I do? And I, I work with ministry leaders, missionaries, individuals, uh, those who are raising 10,000 to hundred thousand to a million dollars plus. So I just want to hit that, you know, straight on that. It doesn't matter how large or how small your organization is, but this process works. And so I want you to yeah, pay attention to these steps because they, they work no matter how much money you're trying to raise um, in, in the process here. Well, you know, and, and Mary along, uh, you know, to, to that point, yeah, you, you proved that you could raise, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars. I mean, you took your, that, that one event and the expectation was 50,000. You had a goal of a million, you raised 500,000 in year one, but you also just in your coaching and consulting work, how many of those just smaller organizations uh, 
because of working with you and, and the steps that you teach, their world has just opened up because maybe they weren't thinking big enough because they felt, well, it's just me and we're doing this, you know, small, we have this small nonprofit and we're doing really good work. But, you know, are there examples of those smaller groups who are having great success? Yes. So one of the very first questions that I do ask is, you know, of course, my number one question is how much do you want to raise? You know, we'll mm. get on a call and I'll say, how much do you want to raise? And they'll usually tell me whatever that number is, 10, 20, a hundred thousand, a million dollars, whatever it is. And then I say, is that the amount of money that it's going to take to actually fulfill the vision that you have for your organization? And the answer is always no. <laughs> like, no, we need a whole lot more than that. Oh, and great question. So then I'm like, why are we raising $20,000 when the goal is a half a million? You right. know, let's create a plan to raise a half a million dollars, not 20,000. And, you know, this is where, you know, on last week's episode, you specifically shared about your strategic, you know, planning process. And that's the thing. A lot of people don't think about their vision when they think about setting their fundraising goals. They think, okay, well, how much do you think that this community could raise? How much do you think that that fundraiser could raise? And so then they look at a walk or a run event or maybe a gala or a golf tournament and they'll say, well, that golf tournament, they raised, you know, 50,000 with their golf tournament. I think we could raise 50,000 with ours. Hmm. And I'm like, that is the worst way to fundraise. Yeah. <laughs> who cares what your, the organization down the street is raising? You know, my half million dollar fundraiser, the single largest fundraiser in that town was raising, you know, $400,000 with their gala. And so, I mean, mm. and I didn't even know that. I didn't even, I didn't even care. <laughs> like, I was right. like, because I was on a mission to raise a million dollars. And so, and I was basing my million dollars off of the fact that I knew that we needed to raise a million dollars because we had research projects that were in the waiting in the wings. We knew that, you know, when we looked at our strategic plan, I knew what needed to be funded. Now I wasn't the only fundraiser who was raising money. Uh, there were plenty of other people in my office. You know, we had, I think 14 people at that time who were raising funds. So you could about imagine what the kinds of dollars that we were looking to raise, but that was where I, I started just thinking so much bigger. And that's where I want to, you know, uh, share my, you know, the fact that I, I'm such a dreamer. I know that like when you set out that vision and mission statement, I know that there, there is money out there to fulfill that. And so instead of asking for just a little bit of money, let's ask for all the money that we need. And mm -hmm. that's the freedom process and, you know, getting into this and, and actually tackling into the seven steps. The first step that I teach is the F of the word freedom. And it is focus your vision and getting clarity on your vision and knowing exactly what you guys want to do. That gives you a better understanding of if it is a million dollars or 500,000 or a hundred thousand, whatever it is that that number is on your vision. So I talk about focus your vision when it comes to money. Joel's going to talk about vision more when it comes to your mission statement, you know, your vision statement, that kind of stuff. Um, I I'm digging into numbers more on the fundraising side. So I also want to make sure that your mission and vision are so clear and that should happen in your strategic planning process. So by the time you get to me in the fundraising process, now we're, you know, we know what we stand for. We know our vision. We know our mission. We know our core values. We know that it's going to take X dollars to fulfill that mission and vision. 
And so now we have such clarity and such focus on it. We know how to create a budget. We know how to create a timeline. And that's what happens in step one of my process. So Mary, with, with focusing your vision in step one, how helpful is that in all of the other steps, especially you know, when you're looking to seek help for this campaign? Mm-hmm. You know, how important is having clarity in that vision in that whole process? It's everything. <laughs> you yeah. know? It's everything because if you don't even know the destination, so imagine you're, you're on a road trip and you're going like, I live in St. Louis, Missouri, and you live in, you know, in the Columbus area. Um, you know, let's just imagine that I'm going to get in my car and I'm going to drive to Columbus. Well, if I don't have Columbus, Ohio written, you know, put in my GPS, I'm not going to get there. <laughs> you right. know? And it doesn't matter how much gas I put in the tank. It doesn't matter how, you know, what I do. I'm not going to get there if that's not the destination that I put in my GPS. So the vision is the destination. This is the end goal that we, and then, you know, everything in the process works our way back from that, that point. And I love what you said there early on uh, at at the beginning when you asked, well, is $20,000 enough to get where you need to go? And a lot of times the answer is no. So I'm sure that's part of this process and focusing your vision. Well, a million. Well, why, why a million? Mm-hmm. You know, so a- a- asking some of those questions, that's, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Well, and so, it's, you know, back to the, the car ride, you know, that it's like, it's, yeah, it's putting in a quarter tank when you need a full tank. You know? <laughs> right. And maybe you need two tanks, maybe you need two tanks. And it's like, you know, I just want to make sure that you guys know that um, I don't want to put a bandaid on your fundraising. I want you to like have the full goal because what happens is, is if you go to a donor and you say, I need $20,000 and then you're like, oh yeah. And then we raise that 20,000 and oh, by the way, we need another 20,000 because now we got to do this. Well, those people get burnt out very fast and they're like, just tell us what you need you know, stop beating around the bush. Like, just tell me what you need. And so that I know, am I giving, you know, 10% of what you need or am I giving a hundred percent? And then I know, Oh, mission accomplished. We, we funded that project, but that's where we, we just don't give clarity to our donors. And then they, they get burnt out fast and they walk out the door because they're just frustrated with you. So make sure it's really clear. Love what you just said, clarity to our donors. And that step one is going to do that. So Let's go to step two. Yeah, let's let's jump in these. I always spend quite a bit of time on that step one because, hello, if we don't know where we're going, we're not going to get there. So (laughs) so I I do want to make sure that our vision is really clear. But the second step here is, is called run your research, the R of freedom. And run your research is all about, you know, once you know you want to do something, then all you have to do is just start looking into it. So just like if you wanted to run a marathon, you wanted to pay off your debt, you, you know, anything that you think about that's kind of a, you know, a big goal, uh, then you just start doing your research on it, run your research, find out what is, what are my counterparts doing in other locations? What are we seeing that's being successful in our community? What kinds of things do our people want to, you know, engage in when it comes to fundraising? So this is where you don't have to know the answer. You don't have to know, is it a gala? Is it a golf tournament? Is it a, you know, a gathering of people? Is it a, a, a letter that's being sent out? 
you don't need to know that right now. This is where you're researching. What are the best ways for us to do it? I love when you can get a group of people together uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, you mean we get to dream about this? We get to come up with that, that money however we want to come up with it? And it's like, yeah. <laughs> like, and, and then, you know, and we'll talk about here that in, you know, step three. So mm-hmm. after you focus your vision, you run your research, this is when you start to invite other people to come around you. And this is enlist your team, the first E of freedom. So enlist your team is a process of inviting other people in. So I use the example of, you know, my husband and I built a custom home. You know, this is where we started talking to general contractors. This is where we talked to an architect and we started asking questions about, okay, what do we need to do? And, you know, who, what kinds of people do we need to have around us? So enlisting your team, when it comes to fundraising, you just need one volunteer. You don't need hundreds, thousands, whatever. You just need one point person who's really going to be the face of this fundraiser, this campaign. You'll see it in building campaigns. You'll see it in larger scale fundraising. There's always like that one point person who's like, oh, this is the campaign chairman. Might be a husband and wife, might be the CEO of a company. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a super high profile person, but it's that one person that's going to really champion it, not a staff person. This is a volunteer. This is somebody who's going to be the face of your cause, you know, for this particular fundraising campaign. So, and then go ahead. Yeah. You know, along those lines, how much of a relief is that when you are coaching and advising some of your clients, when you tell them, hey, you don't have to be the point person, you need to bring that point person in to help relieve some and take away some of this responsibility. How much of a relief is that for people? Yeah, I was actually just talking to one of the one of my clients and she just said, it's a weight lifted off my shoulders. Yes. It's like a deep breath of fresh air that it's like, ah, I don't have to do this alone. So maybe you can help answer this question. And I'm sure other people are are feeling this way because I'm working with a client where she feels, no, it's got to be me. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. You know, but how do you talk to that, that organization or that, you know, internal staff person who feels, well, this is my project. I need to be the person Mm -hmm. and they're doing all these things. It's, it's just like that quote, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, go together. Love it. And that's the thing. You can go fast. You can go fast if you go alone. If I wanted to go raise some money, I could go pick up the phone. I could call a bunch of people. I could ask them for money and I could go pretty fast alone, but I'm not going to raise hundreds of thousands of dollars alone. It's just not going to happen. I don't have the, my contacts will burn out. I will only get so far. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I have exhausted every effort. And I have experienced this with a lot of my clients where they are calling on me because they have run out of contacts. That is the number one thing. How do I find people who have money like that? How do I get into the pocketbooks of people who have access to giving us those, those kinds of gifts, you know? And so that's why you want to go together because you never run out of contacts. It's just clear and simple. I have, you know, that million dollar fundraiser I was putting on when we were raising five, six, 700,000, you know, as we were moving up and raising more and more money, we never, we never exhausted our contacts. 
Mm. And there, there was always people waiting in the wings. And you know what? We paused and we didn't call on certain people because we knew that we weren't ready for them. And we had the, we had the ability to do that because we had so many people on our team. And so we only called on the people who were the perfect fit, who were the right, you know, Hey, we want that presenting sponsor. Well, we knew, Hey, I got a, I got a volunteer who's got a contact here who works for that company. And I knew that we had the perfect insider who could get us in front of that presenting sponsor. So, so you can start to see how it's like, man, we could raise a lot of money if we just had more contacts, we had more, more people like our staff members. So I do think Joel, that comes back to just, you know, we want to be in control. When you, when you pass it off to a volunteer, you do, you lose a little bit of control, but when you, Mm -hmm. when you lose that control, it's, it actually creates more freedom because now they, they find ownership in it. They get just as passionate, if not even more passionate than you are as the staff person. And that's what I found out when I recruited my first volunteer, this, my lead, you know, my, my chairman of, of my campaign, when she started talking about the fundraiser and I was standing next to her, I was like, we went to this networking event and she was talking about our fundraiser and I was almost embarrassed. (laughs) Like I was almost embarrassed because she was like, you need to be a part of this. You guys need to come join us. This thing's (laughs) going to be the best thing ever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing. Like, stop. almost like over the top. But at the same time, I was like, oh my gosh, how beautiful because I didn't have to talk about my fundraiser. She was, Yeah, she wasn't getting paid. She didn't have any skin in the game to see this fundraiser succeed. She just was passionate and excited. So anyway, I just, I'm a number. This step three is the core of what I teach. This is when people say, if I were to do one thing, what would it be? And this is it. Step three, enlist your team, build a team that comes around you that, cause you know, that like-minded people will attract like-minded people. Yes. I, you know, if you recruit me, you're going to get Joel because I run with Joel, you know? So if you, you know, so think about if you're trying to get into a certain demographic, they all hang out together and you don't need all of them. You just need one because all their friends will follow. Great point. Great so point. It's something to think about here. So yeah. uh, I don't so, want to, Go no, ahead. That, that's good stuff. Great, great stuff. So focus your vision is one. Number two is run your research. We just talked about number three, which is enlist your team. What is the fourth step, the next E? Yeah, so the next step is enhance your brand. This is where you build out your print materials. This is where you get your logo designed, your website, anything that could put your fundraiser and your idea into uh, you know, more tangible visual uh, attraction for people to come be a part of it. So you know, in some fundraisers, you don't need very many print materials. In other fundraisers, it's like, okay, we're doing a PR campaign. We got the media outlets that are going to be doing stuff for us. So it's a much larger you know, branding campaign. But the thing is, is that the branding is so important. And the reason why Enlist Your Team is before the branding is because I want to make sure that my donors and my volunteers who are joining my team, they have a say-so in the branding. So if we, if I, you know, print everything and I've got everything done for our print materials, and then I go to this volunteer and I say, hey, can you go tell your friends about this great fundraiser that we're doing? They're going to say, 
uh, maybe like they, they may say, sure, I'll tell some people about it. But if it's reversed where the volunteer is a part of the branding and they are the ones that are okaying the print materials and they're like, oh, I love that you know logo or these colors. Here's the sponsorship packet. What do you think about these levels that we're doing here? Do you like that? Do you not? If they have a say in it, they will be a hundred times more likely to sell that event because now they're like, oh, skin in the game. I said that was a good idea. If it's not a good idea, my name's on it. That's right. And so that's why I like to have them, you know, be a part of the whole process. Now they, they're volunteers, so they're not going to have a ton of time necessarily to do all the legwork. So as a staff person, I like to pull together the materials as much as I can based on the conversations that we've had. And then I present to that lead volunteer and then to the committee. Um, and then they give me feedback and it may be just as much as saying, man, it looks great. Looks good. And, and some people, staff will be like, oh, I hate that. I hate when people just say, oh, it looks great. And it's like, I don't mind that at all because they got to say so. As long as they saw it, they, they said, yep, it looks great. Now, all of a sudden I've got their commitment and they can't come back to me and be like, well, these print materials were awful and that's why we're not selling anything. You know, uh, a quote comes to mind. I don't know which guru said it, but uh, people support what they help create. And that's exactly what you're talking about here. Fantastic. Yeah. And it's so true. And I, I it's worked over and over and over again. So uh, yeah, enlist yeah. your team, it come, make sure that you have that team first and then enhance your brand. So, and then after enhance your brand step four, then we move into deploy your team. And so the D of freedom is deploy your team. This is where your volunteers and your staff. So remember when we said, you can go faster alone, uh, this is where you go further. And when your team is deployed, it is nuts because they will go and they will schedule those meetings. They will get in front of other people and they will advocate on your behalf. And I was talking to a client of mine, um, actually in Romania and, um, this last week, and he was like, I never thought that I'd actually be able to move the little arrow on my seven. He's like a diehard. He, <laughs> I love it because he, he actually went on vacation and he had his, he had my book with me and took a picture of it and sent it to me. I was like, I love that I'm in the black sea right now, <laughs> you know? but it was so cool. So, but he took my seven steps and he had this printout that I had provided and, you know, he, he moved that arrow along the way and he goes, I never thought I would actually get to deploy your team step. I never thought I could get past that because he had a board that was, you know, they were, they were a good board, but they were not empowered. You know, they were just doing, you know, doing the motions. And I'm sure it's a lot, very similar to a lot of your boards where you, you recruited these people. They were really wonderful people. They meant well, they were doing you a favor but they're not passionate about it and they're not going out and telling their friends and their, you know, their businesses about the work that you're doing. And so what he did was he went back to step one that I teach here and he took his board and he said, I'm going to move them through this process and I'm going to empower them. I'm going to make sure that they're a part of the print material and the process. So he just did it with his, this one fundraiser and he was able to empower them and get them excited. And he goes, and they are deployed and they are selling tickets to our event and they are the ones that are selling sponsorships. And it was just a really beautiful thing. So that's really what deploy awesome. your team is all about is that you're not alone anymore and you've got this incredible team that's all advocating for your vision that you guys talked about and focus your vision they're all like we got so like for me and you know my million dollar goal um 
all my volunteers were like, we're raising a million dollars. We're raising a million dollars. And they were telling everybody we're raising a million dollars and here's the fundraiser and you need to come be a part of it. Cause this is going to be the biggest event that this town has ever seen. And they, Love loved it. It. they were passionate. And anyways, that deploy your team is really essential. And then, so yeah. And then step six is like the reason why we fundraise. <laughs> <laughs> Why, why we're even talking about all these previous five steps is step number six is just going and asking for our money. <laughs> like, you know, yeah, you know, and, and this step, organize your ask, that seems to be the number one most difficult thing for boards or other people to do. It's, I, I hate asking for money. Yeah. It's so difficult. And, but if I'm following you right here and you go through those steps, organizing your ask, it becomes so much easier. Yes. So what's well, we've involved already, here? We've already done all of our research. We know yeah. our vision. We've, we've got a great team that's backed us. We feel really empowered. Our print materials look awesome. Everybody else is, you know, it's that peer pressure. They're all working together. And so then when you get to organize your ask, it's almost like a, you should be a part of this. <laughs> like, and yeah. I, and that is how we acted when we walked into a business. It was like, you need to be a part of this. Because this thing is going to change lives. We've got this group, this group, this group. And all of a sudden it's like this, wow, you've got so-and-so who's involved and they're involved too. And, oh, wow, like those guys are my buddies. Like if they're going to be a part of it, I should be a part of it too. You know, so, so yeah. you see how like enlisting your team, you know, early on. And, and by the time you're sitting in front of somebody and you're having this conversation, you've already vetted them. You already know that they're a good fit. You already know that they're trying to get their name out in the community. They're trying to market themselves in a different way. So I'll use the example of the presenting sponsor that I actually sat down with. So by the time we got to this Organize Your Ask, uh, we knew that we were a good fit for them. And so my chairman and I were sitting down across the table from them and it was a grocery store. And we said, okay, this is a, a Western themed gala. You know, we're, we're really promoting beef products and, you know, like, and, and of course it was like, we need to have our meat there. Like we have this new line of meat. We have hmm. these that are happening. We have all these vendors that can come out and we can promote what they're doing. And so it was like, we showcased this grocery store's food at this event and we were curing cancer. So it was like, there was all these elements to it that just fit so perfectly with them. And so we pitched it and we, we basically came up with, well, how do you want to feature your stuff? How can we feature them? How can we use our platform? So it was really a, a, you know, win-win on both sides. It wasn't like, we need you to give us X amount of dollars. We will give you this and you say yes or no. The conversation was, let's do this thing together. How can, how can we make this work? We want to make sure that you're a part of it. We think that you're a great fit and we know that you're branding, you're marketing. What can we do to come alongside you to ensure that you guys are successful and that, a different that, ask? It, you, exactly. That's, it's a different ask. It's not the typical ask that I think a lot of organizations are used to and afraid of. It's, mm -hmm. It's the ask of, of course, why wouldn't you be part of this, this event? Yes. You know, doing all those things leading up to organize your, your ask, it, it puts you in a different position. And I think the, the word that keeps coming out is confidence. You and your team have so much more confidence in going out and making that ask. 
Yep. And you know, when you get a few wins under your belt, that makes it so much easier. So when, when I'm raising money, I'm always looking for who's already doing something for us, you know, that we, all we have to do is just multiply it. So like, let's just say you have a $10,000 donor, one person. And I know there's some organizations where they're like, Oh, a $10,000 gift. That would be awesome. You know, but let's just assume that you have one person who's like, we believe in you so much that we, we wrote you a $10,000 check. And you think to yourself, Oh, if we only had 10 other people or five other people who gave us $10,000, wouldn't that be amazing? And so that's what I'm looking at here is if you have one person who's given you at given to you at a larger amount, there are always going to be more people just like them. So I'm looking for the fundraiser that's going to rally that kind of level, you know, that kind of person together. So when I, when I'm starting the process, guess who my first person I'm going to go talk to is that, who? that $10,000 donor. Bingo. <laughs> And I'm going to recruit them. I'm going to enlist them back in step three. I'm going to enlist them on my team. And I'm going to say, what do you want to do? What do you want? What do you think that we could do that would bring in other $10,000 donors? Brilliant. Because you're the example that we want everybody else to follow. You're the Kobe Bryant. You're the you know, quarterback of the football team. It's like you're setting the example and we want everybody else to follow. So that's why you know, when it comes down to raising more money, I'm always like, if you have one person who's giving you a larger amount, use that as your bar. Uh, because there will be others that'll follow. So uh, just a little, I mean, I've been doing this for so long now that I'm like, you know, you know that people run together. They, they just, and, and if you've been targeting a smaller population of people who are giving smaller donations, it's because that's where you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. So you've recruited within your circle of influence. So now it's time to stretch out into that level, the upper levels, you know, and start bringing in those higher dollar donors. But anyway, so organize your ask. I love asking for money and I know that's <laughs> crazy, but it's only because people love giving people, you know, we, we are going to spend, listen to this. Okay. We're going to spend our entire lives making money just to give it all away. We're going to spend our entire lives making money just to give it all away. We can't take it with us. That's right. And so every single person who has money is looking to spend it and it's fun. We love to shop. We love taking people out to dinner. We like to buy cars. We like to buy houses, you know, like right. it is fun. It's fun to buy the things that we, you know, that, that make us feel good. And so being charitable and giving, you know, being a philanthropist or, you know, whatever, that is fun. And so all we have to do is remind ourselves that people love giving their money away and we just have to let them know that we're an option. So if they're going to give their money somewhere, that they might good. as well give to us and well give to your cause. So that just, if you can flip the switch on that and just say, all these people are going to give their money somewhere, it might as well be us. And now it's our job to present the case to them that we are a good use of their funds. That what you just said in the last 30 seconds, I think is such a huge mind shift. Um, that thing's really going to, that, that's gold. That is really good. Good perspective uh, for, for that point. Awesome. So let's, let's wrap all this up. Yeah. So step, the, step seven is, is the M. What are we talking about there? Let's go make our difference. Yeah, <laughs> so let's do it. 
let's go make a difference. Let's go celebrate. You know, like so often when we raise money, we get to that final, you know, where we, we raise money, we got that fundraiser done and we immediately jump into the next thing. So what I want to see and make your difference is purely that you take a step back, you pause and you recognize all the people that made it possible. So you're thanking your donors, you're acknowledging the, the impact that you're being able, you know, to make on the world. So this is where we're telling a lot of stories. We're sharing the, the success of what this fundraiser did, because if you're going to replicate it, if you're going to do it again next year, or you're going to ask for another donation, you're going to ask for an annual gift, a monthly contribution, whatever it is, we have to make sure that we acknowledge the incredible impact that your cause is making. And that all happens in this final step of make your difference. And so, you know, we don't work just, you know, to work, we're working to make a difference. We're working to change lives, you know, whatever your, your cause, you know, your, your mission and your vision is, that's what we're, our eyes are set on is the vision. So we want to tell people, what did we do? Did we accomplish our vision? And if we accomplished our vision, let's, we're going to go back to the strategic planning process and we're going to go create the next level and we're going to take it to the next level from there. So those are my seven steps. And, you know, like I mentioned, they spell out the word freedom. I've got a roadmap that specifically says all these seven steps. I'll make sure that that is available in the show notes for you guys to download uh, and be sure, you know, it's marybaloney.com forward slash roadmap, and you can download all these seven steps and check it out and make sure that you know, okay, what do I need to do to move forward here? Awesome. Great, great stuff there, Mary. One thing I loved hearing you say, because you said step three, if anything, that is one of the most important steps in enlisting your team is when you said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go further, go together. That's just great, great stuff. Yeah. Well, and of course, you know, we're going to jump into the strategic planning steps. We'll then after that, jump into every one of my steps as well. Uh, we want to make sure that you guys know that it's like, there is a plan, there is a process and it works. What Joel does with his uh, clients, it works, you know, that's the strategic planning process. And then for me, I mean, this freedom process, it works. <laughs> like. <laughs> And we'll continue to, you know, give stories. I think Joel and I could tell stories all day long of, you know, the clients that we work with and the challenges that they're faced with. But in the end, there's so many, so many similarities about each of us, you know, we're, we're human. And that's where sometimes people say, well, well, we're different. These people are different. And yes, each of your communities are unique, but humans are humans. You know, we behave fairly similar uh, across the board. It doesn't matter where you live and we want to be a part of something bigger than ourselves. You know, that's why you said yes to being a part of your cause is because you wanted to make a difference and you felt like you could do it there. And I just want to hit on one last thing before we wrap up. And that's the fact that I feel like sometimes we are extremely selfish when it comes to our causes is that we get this real warm, fuzzy feeling when we do great things with our cause and we see life transformation and things that are happening that are like, oh, this just, I love my job. I love the work that I do. This is why I come back every single day, every single year. And we don't tell people about that. We don't invite them into that experience. And we kind of, hoard, we hoard it to ourselves. And that is our mistake because our donors, our volunteers, they want to be a part of that same experience. They want to feel those same feelings. And why would we not want to share that with them? So don't feel like you're taking their time, taking their money, stealing something from them. They want what you have. They, they want that warm, fuzzy feeling of life transformation and change. So don't be afraid 
to share the stories, to give the testimonials, to bring them into your inner circle so that they can have that same experience that you have the joy of having. So that's Great my stuff. my note on that. <laughs> Great stuff. So talking about going further uh, together, um, speaking of being together, we want to talk to you about the a nonprofit executive club. That is the club for executives who are looking to take their nonprofit to the next level. You can go to nonprofitexecutiveclub.com and join with all those other growth-minded leaders who are doing great things for their cause. You can join, bond with them, share ideas, learn from each other, and we can go further together. So go check that out at nonprofitexecutiveclub.com. Thanks for listening in to today's episode from the Nonprofit Executive Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the content that was shared. And if you want to check out more, go to the Nonprofit Executive Podcast. You can also catch it at nonprofitexecutivepodcast.com. You can just go into whatever app it is that you're using to listen to your podcast and you can subscribe to that show in addition to this one here. And you'll get weekly content about everything when it comes to nonprofit fundraising and strategic planning. So I hope you enjoyed that. Hey, I also want to remind you that the deadline is quickly approaching for Fundraising Freedom Academy. So if you enjoy today's show and you enjoy the process that I teach, if you're like, hey, this process works, this is something that I feel like we need to implement in our cause, I wanna encourage you to apply for Fundraising Freedom Academy. Now, this academy actually goes through all my steps, but goes through it in a much more intensive environment. And you also have weekly access to me. Every single week, we get the opportunity to jump on a call together. You have coaching with me, and then you also have a community of other nonprofit leaders just like you who are raising funds through a signature fundraiser or through that campaign that you guys are working towards. If this is you and you need more help and you're thinking, hey man, we'd like to raise a lot of money in 2020 and the upcoming years to come, but we just don't know how to do it and we probably need to get a coach. I would highly recommend that you apply. And to apply, all you have to do is go to bit.ly, bit.ly forward slash apply for FRFA. Okay. Stands for Fundraising Freedom Academy. So bit.ly, B-I-T dot L-Y forward slash apply for F-R-F-A. And this link will be in the show notes as well. But definitely jump over there, apply. And then after you apply, we'll jump on a 20-minute call together. Find out if this is a good fit for you. And if you are, we'll invite you in. And we would love to have you a part of this group. This is this group is not going to start until January of 2020. So over the course of these next couple of weeks, I want you to focus on your year in giving. Then we'll kick off things right in the first week of 2020 with that group. We already have half of our group already in as far as their applications. The interviews have already taken place. So the space is limited. So do not wait. Deadline is this Friday, uh, December the 13th. Okay. And then the deadline to join is actually the 20th of December. All right. So don't wait, apply today. Hope you guys have a great week. And if you have any questions, if you need anything, don't be afraid to reach out. All the links are in the show notes. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Have a great week. Go change the world one volunteer and $1 at a time.